0: Welcome to Exchange Church, where we desire to connect and grow people in Jesus. Thanks for listening to our Bible message today, and feel free to share it around. We're going to pick up five psalms over the next few Sundays, Uh, and as we head down the pathway this one, tell me, are you a write-down lists person, or can you hold a mental note in your head? Some of you are already starting to nod their head. either no, I've lost it already, they're saying. When it comes to phone numbers or addresses or birthdays, do these things stick in your mind or do you need to have something on your phone or something written down somewhere where you can actually recall that? Well, I had this, actually, I used to be good at phone numbers until the smartphone came along. You didn't have to remember anybody's number, then you just had to just tick a name and off you went but I've lost that ability or maybe I should throw the smartphone away and get that ability, I don't know. We may be good at remembering some things but overall we are forgetful people. Just think about, can you remember the English book you had to read in year nine back in high school or form three? There's a few saying yes, a lot of them are saying no, well there you go, that's something you might have spent hours and hours reading, forgetful people. King David in Psalm 103 today is going to help us to refocus on the goodness of God and to forget not, to forget not all his gracious benefits given to us. He knows where we're at and he wants to help us not to forget what God has done for us. So Esther's read so well for us the first 14 verses. We're going to now pick it up in verse 15 and read through to the end and then we're going to jump into this psalm. So, starting in verse 15. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to his children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, and you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord all his works in all his and all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Father, we thank you that we can come together this morning and uh, we pray, Lord, that you would help us now as we uh, open up this psalm. We ask Holy Spirit, open up our eyes to forget not the benefits that the Lord has given to us, but we would respond just like David is calling us to, to bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Help us now, we pray, and we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, as I said, next five Sundays we'll spend on the Psalms. Psalms are a very much-loved part of the Bible. Uh, Psalms are a wealth of personal expressions of uh, people's lives, and it's often it's through prayer, it's through praise, it's through pain as well. If you read through the Psalms, you'll see lots of pain there. Uh, you'll see God's providence also working through the Psalms as the Psalmist expresses that out. And all of these Psalms here, are, 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 as it were, are expressions poured out to the Lord with hearts overflowing with very often praise or they're reeling in pain as well uh, as they open up to us what's happening in life and where they're at at that particular time and I think really it's because of this realness and rawness of the Psalms that we actually uh, readily identify with them because we can feel what the Psalmist is going through Very often we can actually mirror our occasion with their occasion in a life situation and we can hear them sort of pouring their pain out or pouring out their joy and we can actually identify ourselves with them and we get great comfort as we read through the Psalms and we see what's taking place there. They're a precious thing for us. Psalms also though are very instructive for us as well. Not only is it the expressions of the heart, but the Psalms teach us about God, who he is. What he's done, how he works, what he commands from us, and a whole host of other things we are taught about the Lord as we read through the book of Psalms. The Psalms teach us about the nature of this world. The Psalms talk about the fallenness of this world that we live in as well. So it covers all this range of life And where we find ourselves in. Uh, We can learn from the Psalms how to live a God honouring life uh, shaped by the Gospel that knows and experiences His blessings, God's blessings upon our lives as well. We can see that and we can learn that from the Psalms too as we go through them. Psalm 103 is a well known psalm written by King David. Uh, probably 3,000 years ago when David put this together. It doesn't seem, though, like it's a situational or an occasional psalm. And what I mean by that is sometimes these psalms are written uh, for a certain situation. If they were going up the ascent of the hill to the temple, they'd have this psalm that they would sing as they walked up the hill going to the temple. Uh, David has another psalm. He's written Psalm 51, which is a very uh, great psalm. That's after the sin he's committed with Bathsheba, and it's a psalm of contrition. It's a psalm of sort of, you know, thanking God for the forgiveness he's received, that horrendous sin and situation that David found himself in. So some psalms are written like that way, but not this psalm. This one from 3,000 years ago, and it just appears like David has sat down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit at this particular time, and he's just been writing down some thoughts that he'd been meditating upon just thinking about God and these thoughts have come to him. Obviously he's very talented when it comes to writing and he's sort of given here some heart-opening thoughts that have just, as it were, overflowed onto paper. Sitting, thinking, meditating, reflecting, and he just starts writing. And I'm so glad he did because it's here for us to see 3,000 years later uh, what David's written. And what's he done here? He's given us a psalm of praise to the one true God. It's a psalm of blessing, recognising the goodness of God. And As we think about that today, here's where we're going to head. It's this. God is worthy of all praise for what he does for us through Jesus Christ his Son, both now and forevermore. God is worthy of all praise for what he does for us through Jesus Christ his Son, both now and forevermore. Let's jump in. The psalm opens up here with David, as it were, speaking to himself. Remember who God is. Remember what he's done, is what David is saying to himself. Verse 2, he says there, Bless the Lord, O my soul. David's talking to himself. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It's as though David's reminding himself here as he's thinking through these thoughts and putting this down, he's reminding himself here, of the personal blessings that God has done for him, the good things that God has done for him, bless the Lord, O my soul. Now, in the next few verses, he begins to outlay. outlay what does this look like in David's life? Now, I'm going to move over these some of these a little bit quickly, and I'm going to come back to a couple and talk about more. So, I'm not moving then quickly to say, well, they're not they're nothing. I'm just going to try and step this through, and we'll get to some important parts. Verse three. He says there, uh, who, what, what does God do? He forgives all our iniquity and all our evil. We'll share some more of this in a moment. Second part of verse 3. Uh, forgetting all his benefits, he heals all our diseases. I'll say some more about that in a moment too because you might have some questions on that one. Verse 4, he says there, he redeems my life from the pit. What's he saying there? He's probably saying God has rescued me from hell. Because David's got a real thought here about the redemption of God or God's salvation coming through this. We can also interpret that to say, hey, God also rescues us from the pits of life at times in the sense of despair and depression as well. God can rescue us from those sort of pits. Absolutely. Second part of verse four, he says there, I'm crowned with steadfast love and mercy. This is what the God, uh, the one true God does me. He crowns me with steadfast love and with mercy. Remember, Saul. David says, remember soul, remember that God's loyal, unbreakable, steadfast love and mercy washes over me, no matter what, no matter when in life. Remember this soul, remember who God is, remember what he's done for you. Verse 5, God's inherent goodness satisfies me. God's goodness completes me. God's goodness makes me whole as I experience his goodness through my life. I'm also there, I'm renewed with strength, like the days of my youth. I'm strengthened by his grace to keep pressing on and keep persevering in life. God is the source of my energy. Now of course my body does have a part to play in that as well, it does get older and I've been playing some tennis over the last few weeks and I just can't move like I couldn't move a few years ago but I still am thankful that I can move a little bit at least anyway. Bless the Lord, O my soul, he renews my strength like the, uh, like the strength of an eagle. So there's like five things that David remembers personally that God has done for him. Reminding himself again of these benefits of the Lord. These benefits that God has showered on him. David looks back over his life and he remembers what God has done. What God has provided. Just a little bit of perspective, though, on one of them. He says there heals all our diseases. Now, that can be a bit tricky to understand. What's he saying when he says heals all our diseases? Does that mean every single physical disease that I'll catch here on earth? God will heal that here and now? Well, David doesn't mean that. As we think about the rest of scripture, it's not a formula to say, hey, that I will have perfect health or complete healing for every single physical disease that I might have. It's not that, because the Bible nowhere says or promises complete healing here and now to us. What the Bible does tell us, we will be healed of some diseases here, definitely, definitely. We've all experienced healings in many, multiple ways, but not all diseases will be healed. Ultimately, they will all be healed in heaven. Now, another way David's probably thinking about this disease is he's probably thinking of the disease of sin when he thinks about this. Now, again, we've got to try and understand what David's saying there. But if we want to take that in a physical sense, we know from experience that we know how God works. Sometimes people are cut down in the middle of their life, in the prime of their life by disease, and they're not healed from it. And that's okay. God is still good, God is still whole, and ultimately they will be healed when they're in heaven. Now, I'm not trying to gloss over those first five verses. They're all great and they're precious blessings from the Lord. But the next eight verses in this psalm, uh, King David picks up uh, the priceless blessing or the biggest miracle of our lives. It's the big one. All the others are good and they're great and fantastic, But this is the big one he's going to pick up in the next eight verses. And what is it? It's actually our salvation. That's the big one. That's the miracle. Verses six to nine, David talks there about Israel and its wanderings in the wilderness. And really what he's referring to there, the wanderings in the wilderness is a rebellion before who God is. He's the God who's rescued them from Egypt and brought them out and going to bring them into the promised land. But in that 40-year period, there's a whole generation that have rebelled against God. And if you go back and read through that through Exodus and those other books, the first five books, that you see, they were a crazy generation. But then look what David says when he gets beyond verse 9. He gets to verse 10 and 12 and he says this in verse 10. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. He does not deal with us... This is what he's reminding his soul of here. How should a holy and just God deal with or repay people who sin before him as their creator, as a holy God, as their life giver, how how should he deal with that? Answer, we deserve God's justice. We deserve God's judgment. Just as we break the law in this country or state, you face the penalty of that law. You, You face justice, whether it's through the courts or whether it's a fine that comes through the mail. So it is with God. That's what we deserve. But God doesn't treat us there, as it says, as our sins deserve. Look at verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, now begin to try and imagine this, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Now you might be trying to think, well, east from west? how How do you picture that? Well, think about this. Get in a car. Point west and drive all the way to Perth. Okay, And what you're doing there, you're driving west and you're driving away from the east. Charter a boat at Fremantle, jump in that and just keep heading west. Keep heading west until you get to the westernmost border of west. How far away do you think you'll be from the east? You'll never get there, will you? Because you'll just circle the globe before we get back around to Sydney again Then you'll get back in the car and you'll drive to Perth and catch a boat from Fremantle. And you'll go around again. It's infinite. How far is the east from the west? It's never-ending. And this is the point here that that, uh, David's trying to say. God removes our sins infinitely away from us. It's not just in the next room. Sort of still trying to lurk there and drag us down in condemnation. No, God removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. It's removed infinitely away from us. All of our lying, all of our gossiping, all of our jealousy, all of our lustful thoughts, all of our self-centeredness, all of our anger, and a whole host of other things that we're guilty of. He removes them as far as the east is from the west, infinitely shifted away from us. God wipes the slate clean. He clears the record of debt against us. God will not hold our sins against us ever again. God sets us free from the penalty of our sins. This is the biggest blessing. This is the greatest miracle that we could ever receive from the Lord, which is the forgiveness of our sins. David's reminding his soul of this. The forgiveness of sins is way better than winning the $100 million lotto. That might be great, but ultimately you'll spend it or you'll die before you finish spending it and you've still got your sins to deal with. This is the greatest blessing and the greatest miracle that we could ever have is having a right relationship with the Lord with our sins removed as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't deal with us as our sins deserve. So here's the point that David's trying to get at we can easily forget this priceless and this amazing miracle given to us. That is why David is reminding his soul here of these glorious benefits that God has given him. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Remember this. Let's move on. There's one more thing that David wants to remind his soul about before he finishes. And he contrasts us here as people who are what finite beings, yes, with eternal souls. But our body, that the vehicle that you can see in all of us, is finite. It's growing old. It's wearing out very quickly. But in comparison here with the eternity of God, God goes on and on and on and on. He says in verse fifteen and sixteen, "What are we? We are like grass. Grass that blooms for a little while." And then the wind dries us out and blows us away. You go plant some grass and it comes up with a big flurry and flourishing and it's green and it's lush and it's vibrant. It's sort of like us in the youth of our days and then things begin to dry out. We stop watering the grass and yep, the grass dries out and the wind blows it away. David compares this though here to God's eternal being in verse 17. He says this, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting, to those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. David's reminding himself here of the eternal nature of the Lord. We are like grass, we dry out, we fade, we're blown away, but the nature of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. There is no end when it comes to the Lord. We come and go so quickly, but the Lord is timeless. Timeless. David commands his soul here again, Bless the Lord, O my soul, for he is an eternal God. Remember that, soul. Remember that. Now this verse is really helpful for us too, because there's, there's, uh, there's a pathway through this psalm that David's wanting us to see as well. King David would help us to focus on this driving force in God in this hymn of praise. And we actually see this driving force through this psalm here that David's reminding himself of in verses 4, verses 8, verses 11 and verses 17. We've got 17 back up on the screen there for you or in your Bibles. And you'll see there it says right at the start, but the steadfast love of the Lord. You'll see the word steadfast love of the Lord in those four verses four times. To get the four fingers up, not five, four times, God makes it clear that his benefits that we're not to forget are driven, motivated by God's steadfast love for us. God doesn't give us these benefits because he has to. No one is forcing God's arm up his back and saying, right, oh God, you've now got to give those benefits to those people you created. No, God doesn't give us these benefits because it's part of his job description. Okay, Lord, here's what you've got to do. You must love them. That's your job. No, that's not in the job description. God doesn't give us these benefits because he needs us to somehow complete God. God doesn't give us these benefits so somehow that we'll make him feel better about himself because of the things he's given to us. No. God lavishly pours these benefits upon us because he... Freely loves us. He's not compelled to love us. Nothing forces God in our direction. There's nothing about us that's attractive that now God says, because I've seen that in that person, now I will love them. No. God sets His affections upon us out of the free choice of His will. He makes an active decision that I will love these people regardless of who they are. And when he makes that choice in his own free will, not by anything he sees in us, by his own free will, we become the benefit of all of God's love. Not just a couple of percent. Not 50%. Not even 95%. It's 100% of God's love is now directed towards us. This is why David can sing... Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. God's steadfast love drives all these benefits towards me. Not because of who I am, not because of what I've done, because of who he is, and he just wills his love upon me. David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. What a glorious God who would do that. That's why, as he remembers this, He bursts out with this psalm. He begins to write it down. He can't begin to contain these thoughts. He's got to get them onto paper. He's got to get something out now because he can feel this as it were bubbling up within him. I've got to let it out. Soul, bless the Lord. How do we know those benefits? So how do we know this love of God? How do we experience all that God does pour upon us, even as we read through this psalm? How do we know this? How do we experience this? Again, for us, this could be just words on paper. How do we know it? How do we experience it? Well, Jesus Christ is the only way to know God. Jesus Christ is the only way to be reconciled to God. And also to experience all the benefits of God come through Jesus Christ alone. How does God remove our sins as far as the east is from the west? Does he somehow sort of reach into my heart and just rip them out and take them away and that's it? No. Someone, because we know God's a God of justice, we saw that before, someone has to take our place to pay the price of those sins. Jesus does that for us. He goes to the cross and he bears the full punishment that our sin truly deserves. Nothing short of it. And that's what Jesus does. He meets all of God's justice there. And that's here where we see God demonstrate his love for us in the clearest possible way in Jesus. Come with me to 1 John 4 and see what John the Apostle writes here talking about the love of God. He says this. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. What's John saying? How was God's love made known here? John says, In this, the love of God is made known among us. What is this? That, what is this? That, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. How is God making his love known to us? By sending his Son into the world. So that we might live through him. That's where we see God's love, evidenced for us in Christ. But then he goes on to verse 10, he says this, In this is love, he's talking about God's love, In this is love, not that we loved God, so get the order right, we didn't first love God and now God loves us. That's not what John's saying. In this is love, not that we loved God, but... That he loved us first and sent his son, Jesus, to be what? You're saying that's a big word up there, propitiation. What does that mean? Well, Jesus came to absorb God's justice, God's right justice in our place. He came to bear God's judgment upon himself in our place, to shield us from that judgment. We will not have to face that judgment of God because Jesus faces that for us. What's the love of God so vividly demonstrated here for us? God sends his son, Jesus. Jesus takes our place in the cross. Jesus makes all these benefits now available to us. How do I know God loves me? He sent Jesus. How do I know God loves me? Jesus took my place on the cross. How do I know God loves me? Jesus now lives in my heart by his Spirit. This is where we see the highest expression of God's love. Do you want to see God's love? You look to the cross. God sends his only Son, his beloved Son, the Son that he loves fully and freely, the eternal Son. And that Son makes salvation and all of its benefits now freely available to us to receive them. And you see, when I know the Lord or when I see Jesus like this, it changes everything. It absolutely changes everything. When I look at a tree outside, it's not just a tree. What is it? This is a creative miracle of God showing his glory into this world. That I can plant this seed in the ground, and within this seed, God has created the, as it were, the, the, the genus of a tree that grows up and produces leaves and produces fruit, and I can pick that, I can eat that. It's not just a tree. This reflects the glory of God when I see that. This is the change that Jesus makes when we actually begin to see who he is. Or when I'm in a friendship of peace and joy with somebody enjoying a really great friendship, it's not just a good friendship that is that, but it's not just that. What is it? It's someone who's reflecting the image of God to me. The joy and peace of God has been reflected through a good friendship. It's not just a good friend. I'm actually seeing God working through that. I'm seeing the glory of God through another person. This is the change that Jesus makes when we begin to see these benefits that he pours into us. I know that now because God completes the picture of this world for me. Every benefit I have, whether it's the next breath I take, or the next bit of Christmas pudding I eat, there's still a bit left over in the fridge at home. What is it? It's a gift of God's grace. It's a benefit of love. And even when it goes pear-shaped... Even when it doesn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out and it's actually gone really bad and it's got really painful, I still understand that the Lord is in control. Nothing can separate me from his love. It's not quite how I would write the script, but the Lord's got a better script for me. I haven't lost his love. It's just taken a different way. Do you know that Jesus? Do you know that Christ? Is that the Lord that's living inside your heart who's actually transforming you? Is that the one that you are gladly, willingly submitting your life to? Have you come to see that Jesus truly is the key to understanding life in all of its brokenness, in all of its complexity? And also, that's the same Jesus you find healing and wholeness from in this world as well do you know him well jesus is the pathway to god it's not by being a good person it's not even by coming and sitting in a church that won't get you to god by just sitting in a church you might think did you just say that don't you want people to sit in the church i want you to sit in church but i don't want you to sit in church thinking if i just sit in church i'll get to god That won't get you to God by just sitting in a church. They're good things to do, but you're not trying to do that to earn some sort of points system, like a loyalty rewards and now you get your free ticket to God. It doesn't work like that. Coming to Jesus is a choice that we make. We don't have to do anything other than come and believe who Jesus is, turn from our sins and accept him as our Lord and Saviour. And with that choice we freely receive God's grace and we know the presence of God living inside of us and that does change everything. The Holy Spirit renews our hearts to be born again so that we can now willingly, gladly serve the God of David from Psalm 103. So why is Psalm 103 good for us today as we think about that? Well, see, when we fully get what Jesus has done for us, it should be a natural response here, like it is for David, for praise, for His great love in rescue us from sin and Satan to, as it were, come out of us. It should be a response when we actually appreciate what God has done for us, because this is what King David is doing. He's recognizing afresh here the glorious salvation that God has provided him, and he, as it were, he's preaching that to himself. He's reminding himself again. In verse one, he says, "Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name." He's talking to himself. He's preaching to himself. He's saying, "Get a hold of this soul. Get a hold of these truths. And with all my might and all that is within me, bless His holy name, soul." But King David knows where we live. He also understands the world we're in. That's why he says. Forget not, forget not all his benefits. Because why? We are forgetful people. It's part of the broken world we live in, it's part of the brokenness we have. Our minds are weak. We are so easily distracted, particularly in Western culture, are we easily distracted? We easily forget the important things in life, namely God. God's sort of there but he sort of slips down the list a bit. We have a million hobbies and leisures and pleasures coming at us from a whole multitude of directions. Who knows how many gifts and gadgets you've received from Christmas to occupy your mind and to do new things with. Uh, we're busy planning camping trips and our next online shopping splurge and the next vacation. And, and we're thinking about the next building renovation project. We've sort of been thinking about it over Boxing Days, you maybe I could shift that over there and that'll look good. And, and the new tech gadget to make life easier. Wh- what are these things? Well, they're not, none of those things are wrong, but, but they're things that are all sort of looking for space in my head. They're just they're distractions. They're distractions. They're fun and they're interesting and don't get me wrong, Here, that they're good things in themselves and they can be great activities to enjoy God's creation with, but if we don't hold the right balance with those things, they easily begin to grow larger and larger and larger and they consume our thinking, they consume our energy. And when that happens, when we allow these things, particularly in Western culture here, to grow larger and larger and to fill our minds, we forget we forget about the giver of all these good things. We begin to think more about the creation than the creator. We lose sight of the central being in our lives. We lose sight of God. And when that happens, actually life, in actual fact, shrinks for us. We think we might be growing and expanding and all these wonderful ideas of God, but really when that happens, when we lose sight of God and we allow these other things to come in... Our life is shrinking. It's shrinking down to me and my little world. Because it's just all about me and consumed with me. That's why we need Psalm 103. We need Psalm 103 to freshly awaken our souls again. To have our eyes open up to the wonder and the glory of God. And who he is and what he's done for us. We need Psalm 103 as it were to open our eyes again to the priceless benefits and blessings that God has given us. I'm sure that's why the Holy Spirit has placed it here in the Bible for us. Now, it won't be easy to do that, to keep our eyes open on these things. The good things of this world will really fight hard and convince us that we need all these things to make our life great. It won't be easy circumstances of life will distract us and we're all aware of that whether it's physical sickness or relation these things all serve to actually crowd out our minds and we lose sight of who god is psalm 103 is exactly what we need we need to come back here to god's word and we drink deeply with the holy spirit's help and as we do that the holy spirit Opens up the eyes of our heart to begin to think about what's happening in these verses, and it's not just black ink on a white page. It's a living, breathing word that begins to speak into our hearts and minds, and it begins to change the way we think, it begins to renew our focus. And we see another vision. We see a vision of the wonder and the beauty and the glory of God. What is Psalm 103? It is a great place to start for 2024. Bless the Lord, O my soul, in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and what? And forget not all his benefits. Don't forget what the Lord has done for you and what he continues to do for you. What is the year 2024? Let's make it a year where we think about, focus on the glorious benefits the Lord has given us. Both here, now... And also into a glorious future that awaits for us. And therefore let our hearts sing with an anthem of praise. Why? Because of God's steadfast love that carries and drives all of these benefits towards us. And so vividly made known to us through Jesus Christ his son. And I'll guarantee you that if you can focus on the Lord in this way, fight off the distractions, get them in balance, your perspective on life will change. It will. Our perspective in life can be really hard and difficult because of the circumstances, but we come back and we fill our hearts up with truth, we allow the Spirit to work in that truth, and it just changes the way we see things. They're still there, but all of a sudden they've got a lot smaller and God's got a lot bigger. And the peace of Christ comes in actually steadies me now to, to face that and with that let our hearts overflow with worship with worship and praise no matter what we're going through bless the lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name let's pray father we thank you that we can come on this last sunday in the year 2023 Father, we thank you for Psalm 103. We can think about, Lord, we say bless you and all that's within me and forget all your benefits. We can look back over 2023 and we can think of all the hard stuff, the difficult stuff, the painful stuff, and it's real, it's happened, it's true. We're not going to live in denial. But we can also focus on your grace that's enabled us to persevere through every single situation. And for some of us, that's been the loss of a loved one. But your benefits have carried us through that. For some of us, it's been the loss of a job, but your benefits have carried us through that. For some of us, it's been the loss of a relationship, but your benefits have carried us through that. Lord, we can sit here right now and I pray, please would you let your Holy Spirit work in our hearts, Psalm 103, that we would speak to ourselves. We would preach to ourselves the good news of Christ. We would just reflect again on the greatest miracle that we have received. That our sins have been removed from us as far as the east is from the west. Satan can come and he can try and condemn us and crush us with guilt. But we've got a steadfast God whose steadfast love has removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. And he doesn't treat us as we deserve why is that? Because of it, because of his love to us, he sent his son to pay the price of our sins that we now can enjoy this glorious relationship with him. Please, Lord, let our hearts overflow with singing and praising and glorifying you in this. And may we move into twenty twenty four in that attitude, Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, and forget not his benefits. Father, we ask that, we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you found today's talk challenging and fruitful. Don't hesitate to get in touch by visiting our website or sending us an email. But we'd love for you to join us in person as well.